Now let's continue on going through the errors that were given by this elder on go to meeting. And we will see that his statements actually changes the meaning of atonement. Okay? Now then, after that, we will see from First and Second Timothy how all elders are to handle the truth. Because this is important. If the elders of God cannot be entrusted to preach the truth of God to the people, What have they done between them and God? They have broken the trust that God gave them. See? Now, pay attention to this. Today, we afflict our souls on atonement because that is what the people whom God rescues out of the tribulation in a day of the Lord are. They are afflicted. They may be afflicted, that is true, but that's not why we afflict our soul on the day of atonement. See? No way. We fast on atonement for the remnant... Nowhere is that found in scriptures that is to be rescued out of the captivity and bondage and slavery that are coming upon the earth. No, we don't fast for that. We fast, every one of us, so that we acknowledge to God that everything that we are and have comes from him. Now, continuing, we fast because the remnant fulfills atonement. No, they do not. Atonement is fulfilled by God in relation to our sins and by God in relationship to getting rid of Satan the devil. That's why we fast. We don't fast for some people who have never been born. We don't fast for people coming out of the tribulation. Now, very well may be as they're coming, they're fasting and praying and crying out to God. That is true, but that has nothing to do with atonement. Okay. We fast because the remnant fulfills atonement because they are saved from that bondage and slavery. They are brought out again, saved by the Lord. They turn to the Lord with weeping and fasting and mourning. No, that's not why we do it. See? Okay, he says... Because the people of the captivity who come to Jerusalem, 
will enter into covenant with God, Joel 2. Well, the prophecies show that Christ and the saints will be at Jerusalem. When the people are brought out of captivity, they'll come under the jurisdiction of Jerusalem, but they won't be coming directly to Jerusalem. Okay? So he says, this is talking about people who are mourning, so this is definitely atonement. So with these statements made publicly, and hundreds heard them, that has to be corrected publicly. That's what Paul says. If an elder sins, correct before all. Okay? Now, as we mentioned, we want repentance, we want restitution, and we want restoration. Now, this elder can be a very good elder and hope and pray that this is a great lesson for him to learn and all of us to learn too, see? And many of us who have gone through all the battles of the churches of God, we are very sensitive to anything that comes up contrary to the word of God, and we ought to be because God is entrusting us with his truth. Now, he says, I'm going to read you what the command is for keeping atonement. Also on the 10th day of the seventh month is the day of atonement. It shall be a holy convocation to you. You shall afflict your soul. We know that that's fasting from Isaiah 58, but it doesn't say to fast. It says to afflict. Okay, so if you go to Psalm 35, 13, you will see that fasting and humbling and affliction are all together, okay? We know that that's fasting from Isaiah 58, but it doesn't say to fast. It says to afflict your soul. Why doesn't it say to fast? Because atonement is about the rescuing of the people who are afflicted in their souls from the devastation of the tribulation in the day of the vengeance of God. See? Now he brings us to the end of it. See? And when it's brought that way, there are going to be some people that their minds are not really focused on what's being said, and it'll go over their heads. But let me read that again. Why doesn't it say to fast? Because atonement is about the rescuing of a people who are afflicted in their souls from the devastation of the tribulation in the day of the vengeance of God. Now let me read another one. Now you see, when you understand what atonement is, and then you put these statements up against what it means, these are way out there. Atonement is a day afflicting our souls through fasting. So he's going back and forth, causing confusion. 
because we're not the captives, but we are fasting that God would save those people. No, we're not fasting so God will save those people. Has nothing to do with atonement. See? That God would save those people and bring them out from the terrible destruction, pain, death, and sorrow that is going to happen to these people. It is because we see these people and we want them to be in the kingdom of God. We don't even know who they are or what they are or where they are. Okay? And in the time frame of things that are happening, we don't know exactly when it's going to happen. How many times have people said, oh, we're, we're getting close to the day of the Lord? Huh? Probably in our lifetime in Worldwide Church of God, we've heard that 10 or 15 times, right? Did it happen? No. What was one of the major booklets that build Worldwide Church of God? 1975 in prophecy, and there's a way of escape. Now, the question is concerning that, did that bring a lot of people into church who just wanted to escape, and it was just another form of the rapture? So, when it didn't happen, is that why many people just quit and left? I'll just leave those questions hang. We are fasting on atonement before it happens. Before the day of the Lord is a reality. Before the people who were rescued from the terrible captivity and bondage slavery. For them in the future. What does it say in Leviticus 23? You're going to fast for the afflicted in the future at the end of, the, end of time. Nowhere. Nowhere in the prophecies of any of the prophets. We fast for them of the future that they will cry out to God, turn and return to God with weeping, fasting, and mourning. That's what atonement is all about, saving the people who are afflicted. Now, that's not what atonement is about, see? And I'm sorry and sad that it was a public thing that it came to this. But since it's a public thing, we must answer it in public. See? Remember what happened in Worldwide when someone got in trouble and they did, they weren't around anymore? Nobody told them anything? What happened? Especially in Pasadena. Everyone was saying, where's so-and-so? What happened to so-and-so? Where did this one go? What's going on? See? So we can't have this with people having a separate definition of what the Day of Atonement is from what it actually is portrayed in the Bible. See? That's what atonement is all about, saving the people who are afflicted. We have thoughts toward the people of this earth being part of God's kingdom. 
All right. Now, these are all his words because I had the transcript made. And I was shocked to read it when I got it. And was shocked that it did happen. Okay. Continuing now. That's what atonement is all about. Atonement is literally means covering. That's what God will do for these people when they come to Jerusalem and enter into covenant. When we talk about atonement, we have to understand that cleansing is not the same as forgiveness. That's partially true. When you repent, you're forgiven. Okay? But what has to happen? There needs to be a cleansing after forgiveness. Like Michael Heiss brought out last night in his message that he brought on Go to Meeting, he said if you spill wine on a tablecloth, you tell the person, okay, that's all right, you forgive them. But to make the thing completely whole, you've got to take that tablecloth and cleanse it and scrub it and get rid of the stain, right? So this is what it is with us with forgiveness. For him to say, we have to understand that cleansing is not the same as forgiveness, they don't know enough to ask for forgiveness. No, that's the first thing they will ask for. Absolutely. What's the first thing you ask God for when you're afflicted with something? You ask God to forgive you, right? He does. And then what do you have to do? You have to, with the Spirit of God and the Word of God, do the cleansing. So they go hand in hand. See, It's not two separate operations. Just like the Israelites, they passed through the Red Sea. They were baptized, cleansed, sanctified. Their sins weren't forgiven. Yet, but they were cleansed. It has that all backwards. Okay? This is what the Day of Atonement is all about. It is about the time at the end of all this incredible destruction, destruction that the earth does to itself, and the destruction that God brings upon his vengeance. Okay? Continuing, it is a time that when we turn to God, when they turn to God. No, no, you're not fasting for them. See? And it has nothing to do with coming out of the tribulation. Are there people coming out of the tribulation? Yes. Will they be fasting and praying? Yes. But that doesn't mean that it's an atonement event. That doesn't mean that now we change the meaning of atonement to fit a prophetic event that has not yet happened. Okay? It is a time when they will cry out to God. It is a time when the chauffeur trumpet is blown. It is a time when the jubilee is announced. We don't know if they're being brought out of captivity in the jubilee year. We don't know. 
I mean, think about the Jubilee year. You can't plant, you can't harvest, you can't build, you can't do any of those things. Now, what's the first thing that needs to happen with people coming out of the tribulation? Huh? Maybe God is going to have to feed them man at the first. We don't know. So I'll ring my bell. Okay? We don't know. But they've got to be fed. They've got to be clothed. They've got to be housed. Right? Okay? That has nothing to do with atonement. Okay? It is a time when they are gathered and brought by ship and land from all four corners of the earth down to Jerusalem. It is a time when Christ sanctifies them and enters into a covenant. It is the precursor of the incredible new millennial rule of Jesus Christ when all the world will be changed. Complete meaning is change of meaning of why we fast and why we keep the Day of Atonement. Okay? And I've never heard this anywhere before. And yet, he brought it without talking to anyone else and didn't talk to me. Okay? And then when I said, you broke a trust with me because you talked to Michael Heiss, well, I talked to Michael Heiss, and he said he didn't bring anything up about that. See? But we're going to see when we examine in First and Second Timothy that a trust was broken, not to me, but to God. See? Do we have to understand that? So he says, I hope this gives you a new perspective, not just on atonement in prophecy, but the sequence of events also on it. See? Now, the Bible tells us what's going to happen in prophecy with Satan the devil and with the people's sins. Okay? Finally, why you afflict your soul, why you fast, why you are doing these things, here's why. Thinking about the people whom God is going to save. Well, that's not on our minds at all. Bringing in a new government. Atonement doesn't do that. Bringing in a new way of life. Okay? It doesn't do that. Okay? None of those definitions actually fit the day of atonement, and yet he called his message an atonement event. Okay? So this is why this has to be brought out in public because all of this was given in public, and we must correct it. Like I said, my hope and hope of all of us is for repentance, reconciliation, and restoration. Now let's come to 1 Timothy. We're going to see some things here 
in the book of First and Second Timothy, for all the elders, so that they stay with the word of God, and we will see one of the requisites of the word of God we'll see in Second Timothy is to rightly divide the word of God. All of this was completely wrongly dividing the word of God. See? Look at the trouble it caused. All right. Now then, First Timothy, the first chapter, verse 3. First chapter, First Timothy. When I was going to Macedonia, I exhorted you to remain in Ephesus in order that you might solemnly charge some not to teach other doctrines. Okay, now what is a doctrine? A doctrine is a teaching that becomes something we are to follow and obey. Okay? None of this conforms to a doctrine in the Word of God. Okay? So it's another doctrine which should not have been brought. Nor pay attention to myths and endless genealogies which lead to empty speculation rather than to edification from God, which is in faith. Now, the purpose of the commandment is love out of a pure heart. The whole purpose of everything that God wants us to do is to help all of us grow in grace and knowledge and the love of God, right? Isn't that it? Okay. Come down here to verse 11. According to the gospel of the glory of the blessed God, now notice this next phrase, with which I was entrusted. Okay? And God wants that for all the elders, but also for all the people. See? When you have all the word of God and you can read it and and study it, you are personally responsible to God to what? Do it. Right? See? But the all the elders especially. We can't come off with some silly idea. Look at the stupid man, I forget his name now, who said he was one of the two witnesses, and I'll reveal who the second one is a little later. You know who that turned out to be? His wife. (laughs) Hey, All right. Be entrusted with. Okay. And I thank Jesus Christ, our Lord, who has empowered me, that he counted me faithful, putting me into the ministry. Okay. So that's something we need to understand and do. All right? All elders. Okay? Now, verse 18. Verse 18. Every elder, listen up. 
I don't care if you're in Christian biblical church of God or you're in another church of God. You have the Bible. You have the word of God. You are in charge of helping the brethren. You make sure that it's according to the word of God. And even if the hierarchy doesn't like it, you better stick with it. See? And I feel sorry for all the poor people in the various churches of God that have been told you must only follow the teachings of Herbert W. Armstrong. No. He had a good amount of truth. But we must follow the instructions of Jesus Christ and God the Father through the apostles and the prophets and Moses, which is the complete Bible. Okay? He says, This charge I'm personally committing to you, my son Timothy, in accordance with the prophecies that were made long ago concerning you, in order that by them you yourself might wage a good warfare holding to the faith and good conscience. See? Paul had the same thing here. We'll read in Second Timothy, the first chapter, that Paul said, all in Asia have left me. I mean, think about that. That's quite a statement. Okay? Verse 19, holding to the faith and good conscience for some, having cast aside good conscience, have made shipwreck in regard of faith of whom are Hymenius and Alexander, whom I turned over to Satan in order that they may learn not to blaspheme. So this also tells us another thing. If we go too far, what does God do? turns us over to Satan. Okay? Now, come to chapter 3, verse 14. These things I am writing to you, hoping to come to you shortly. But if I should delay, you have these things in writing, so that you may know how one is obligated to conduct oneself in the house of God which is the church of the living God, the pillar and foundation of truth. So this is why you've heard me say how many times? It has to be the truth, the truth of God, the truth of God. Correct? Yes. Why? Because God is a God of truth. Jesus is the way, the life, and the truth. And no one comes to to the Father except through him. We're not going to come to God with thoughts like this completely removed from the Day of Atonement. Now, some of them may be applicable for the coming out of the Great Tribulation. That's a separate operation. But it cannot be joined to atonement to change the meaning of atonement. cannot do it. Verse 13, until I come, devote yourself to reading, 
to encouragement, to doctrine. Do not neglect the spiritual gift that is in you, which was given to you by prophecy with the laying on of the elderhood. Meditate on these things. Give yourself wholly to them so that your growth. See? Now, all of us as elders and ministers must be growing in grace and knowledge. And we must be teaching the brethren that that same thing. Why? We're all being prepared by God to rule the world. Do you understand what a great and fantastic thing that is going to be? Taking over the world, all nations, all governments, all people? That is an awesome thing that only God can do, and he's preparing us to be his servants, to bring it to the people of the world. So when you look at it that way, our calling is so great. Why do we want to fiddle around with silly doctrines and thoughts of our own which are not in accord with the word of God. See? All right? Meditate on these things. Give yourself wholly to them so that your growth in the faith may be apparent to all. Be diligent. And a synonym of diligent is vigilant. Okay? That's what we're doing today. We are being diligent and vigilant with the word of God to correct an error that was publicly pronounced to hundreds of people. Be diligent with yourself and with the doctrines. Continue in them, for in doing this you will save both yourself and those who who hear you. Chapter 6 and verse 3. Now, when there are problems in the church, if they are not corrected, then we have to leave like all of us did. See? And that's what he says here in verse 3. If anyone teaches any different doctrine, which this is, what I read you about what he gave concerning atonement is a different doctrine. Okay? A different doctrine, and it does not adhere to the sound words, even the words of our Lord Jesus Christ, and the doctrine that is according to godliness, he is proud and knows nothing. See? So the one who did this is going to have to examine his own heart and mind and find out spiritually where he's standing with God. Now, I have five different elders who are going to work directly with him. And I'm in communication with him to help bring about the process of repentance, reconciliation, and restoration. So what happens if it, if it gets carried on? This has not gotten this far as it talks about here in 
1 Timothy 6, but we need to read it so that we understand that if we don't correct it, it could get to this. I mean, look at what has happened to the church of God because the ministry was neglected in taking care of these things publicly. See? And rather than try and bring about repentance, reconciliation, and restoration, they just got mad and disfellowshipped people right and left. See? And in many cases, the brethren were right and the hierarchy was wrong. See? So we've lived through that extreme. Look at what he says here. Rather, he has a morbid attraction to questions and disputes over words from which comes envy, arguments, blasphemy, wicked suspicions, vain reasoning of men who have been corrupted in their minds and destitute of the truth. Look at what that happens. See? I know of people who have left the church of God and have abandoned all thought that Jesus is the true Messiah. And that's a terrible thing to consider. Now, verse 6, But godliness with contentment is great gain, for we brought nothing into the world, and it is evident that neither do we have the power to carry anything out of this world, And all the pyramids in Egypt prove it too. Okay? Verse 20. Last two verses. Right here. So here's the charge to all the elders. And it would be good if all the elders would study word for word 1 and 2 Timothy and and Titus as well. And 1 Peter, the fifth chapter. Okay? Verse 20. O Timothy, guard the doctrine which has been entrusted to you. See, God gave it to Paul and entrusted it to him. Now he's giving it to Timothy because he knows he's not going to be on the earth very long and entrusting it to him. So all the elders in the Christian Biblical Church of God, you are being entrusted with the truth of God. And one day, I'm not going to be here. And what will you do? Will you all be faithful and work together? Or will you have some difficulties in your mind that now you're going to bring them up after I pass and then you go off on your own and brethren follow you? See? So I need to bring this up to everybody. And in my case, in my case, I've had to always fight for the truth 
And God has helped establish a lot of truth because of that, not because of me. See? I'm only a tool to get done what God wants to do through me. Okay? And when I'm done, he'll be through with me until the resurrection. (laughs) Okay? Right? Guard the doctrine which has been entrusted to you according, but avoiding profane and empty babblings and contradictions of false knowledge that is so-called science, through which some who are personally professing false views have missed the mark concerning the faith. Okay. Now, if this is not answered publicly, then people are going to say, what's going on? And then what's going to happen? Gossip, innuendos, wrong opinions, right? And then we have to go through them all. All right, let's come here to Second Timothy, verse 13, chapter 1. Okay. Hold as the standard for the truth, or for doctrine, rather, the sound words that you have heard from me in faith and love that are in Christ Jesus. Guard again, see? Guard again. The good thing that was committed to you by the Holy Spirit that is dwelling in us. And know this, that all of those who are in Asia have rejected me. Think of that. How did that happen? By false doctrine when Paul wasn't there, that nobody corrected. Okay? Now come over here to chapter 2. Verse 14. Okay. See that they are mindful, that is, faithful men, of these things, earnestly charging them in the sight of the Lord not to argue over words that are not profitable in any way, but which lead to the subverting of those who hear. Diligently study. Now, it also has to be, what is your motive in doing it? It has to be to learn of the will of God. It can't be for anything. Is it going to be that you're searching for a great doctrine to bring up to the church? No, don't search for it. See? Diligently study to show yourself approved unto God, a workman who does not need to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. See, because if you wrongly divide the word of truth, you create an error. That's what this is. Error must be corrected. All right? Now then, let's come over here to chapter 3. Verse 16. Now this has been 
the whole thing, Michael Heiss doing the Old Testament and me doing the New Testament to publish the faithful version, okay? That we, with the Word of God, tremble in fear if we don't do it right. All Scripture is God-breathed. And that means each and every word. And is profitable for doctrine, for conviction, for correction. Now today we had some correction. And we need to correct it, see? Now, let's just ask a question. What is the best way to be corrected? Will you, with the Holy Spirit and the Word of God, you correct yourself? Right? Isn't that the easiest and most comfortable? Huh? That's a whole lot better than being confronted face-to-face with someone, (laughs) you know, saying, hey, look what you're doing. Okay? You correct yourself. For instruction in righteousness, so that the man of God may be complete, fully equipped for every good work. Now, we'll finish it by going to chapter 4. Okay? And this is a charge. I charge you, therefore, in the sight of God, even the Lord Jesus Christ, who is ready to judge the living and the dead, it is appearing in kingdom, preach the word. Like we started in Jeremiah 23. He who has my word, let him speak my word faithfully. Okay. Be urgent in season and out of season. Convict, rebuke, encourage with all patience and doctrine. For there shall come a time when they will not tolerate sound doctrine. That has been lived through the church of God down through time. And we have lived through it in our day. But according to their own lust, they shall accumulate to themselves a great number of teachers having ears itching to hear what satisfies their cravings. And they shall turn away their own ears from the truth. How do people do that? By an elder somewhere beginning to teach something that is not right and it's not corrected. And they shall be turned unto myths. How do you think we got Halloween, Christmas, New Year's, Easter, all of that? Huh? But as for you, be vigilant in all things, endure hardship, do the work of an evangelist, fully carry out your ministry. So, brethren, sometimes we have to do things because it's necessary to be done, even though they're not pleasant. And even though some people might not like it. However, we're told that if an elder sins, rebuke before all. So that 
we can have, as we started, repentance, reconciliation, and restoration. So let's all be faithful to God in everything that we do. So until next Sabbath, we'll say goodbye for now.